everyone. Welcome back to Grounded with Pastor Matt Round. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, today we are doing things a little different. So last episode, we ended with me saying that we were going to tackle the question, how do we prove that the Bible is true? But instead, we're going to take a more leading path to that. So we're going to start by answering the question, what is the meaning of life? Pastor Matt's going to give us an answer. Hello, Pastor Matt. Hey, Noah. So good to be back in the room recording with you. And yeah, we changed the order a little bit because some of these things kind of build and uh, lead off of each other. So uh, to talk about the Bible is important and we definitely will. Um, but before that, you really have to understand how God's revealed himself. And before that, you need to kind of understand purpose and meaning in life so you know what you're pursuing. Um, so that's kind of the direction that I wanted to take this. And when we talk about uh, what is the meaning of life? It's a great question because it's one that everybody asks to some extent at some point. We all want a life with meaning, with purpose, uh, something that brings a sense of satisfaction, something that kind of internally, intrinsically lets us know that what we're doing has lasting value, that it matters. Um, and we live in a time and in a place where an increasing number of people are struggling with the idea of where to find meaning, um, especially post-COVID. Uh, people really wrestled with this. In uh, 2021, uh, Lifeway Research based in Nashville did a survey and 57%, so most of the people that responded said that they wonder regularly uh, about where they can find meaning and purpose in life. So 57% at least monthly checked or questioned their purpose in life. And of those 57, uh, about a third of them said that they questioned that weekly and another third said that they questioned that daily. So you have people uh, consistently looking for where they find purpose and meaning. Now, you pair that and another part of that survey suggested that over 80% of, of people believe that there is some meaning and some purpose in life. So what you have is this very broad general consensus that life has a purpose, or at least should, that life has a meaning, or at least it should. But most of the people who know that to be true have no idea what that meaning and what that purpose is. Um, that's a frustrating place to live, that tension between knowing and not finding. And then we also know that we live in a world where people try to find purpose and meaning in any number of things. Some people find purpose and meaning in their work. Uh, they promote, they gain status, people recognize their ability, they make more money, and it's really tempting to try to find purpose in your occupation. Uh, some people look for purpose in relationships. It's other human relationships that make them feel complete, that make them feel whole, that make them feel important. And uh, that's true whether those are romantic relationships or whether those are friendship relationships. Some people just... Uh, find meaning and purpose in being included in the group, whether that's the Facebook group or the social media group or the friend group. Um, just having other human connection is where they find purpose. Um, some people look for purpose and pleasure in finding that next thing. And that might be something that we would obviously, you know, call bad or nefarious, something like drugs. But it might also be finding purpose in pleasure in the sense that it's just that next good experience that reminds you that there are good things out there. That next thing that distracts you, it might be the next vacation. It might be the next uh, addition to whatever you happen to collect. It might be the next movie that you get to watch. That next uh, pursuit of pleasure. And people find meaning and purpose in the next experience. And I think as Christians, we know uh, that real meaning and purpose can't be found in those things. 
we've had enough exposure to biblical truth or biblical teaching, and we know that somehow those aren't good enough. But I think that maybe we don't understand why they're not good enough. Uh, because we look around us and there are some people with a ton of money or people with really stable relationships, people with really great jobs, and they certainly seem uh, fulfilled, at least. And we need to understand why meaning can't be found in those things. Because if we're fuzzy on it, then we're going to be tempted to look for meaning in the same place that the world does. And the ultimate answer as to why the meaning of life and purpose in life can't be found in those things is because they're all temporary. Uh, you can lose a job. It might be through something that you've done wrong, a failure to perform, or it might be something that's absolutely, totally outside of your control. We know that relationships can be difficult. We're sinful people who interact with other sinful people. And just like sin breaks the relationship with God, we know that sin impacts our relationship with other people. Um, we know that if you have hope and experiences that trips eventually end, the best vacation is over after a week or two, uh, the best experience only lasts so long, and then you're on to the next thing. But even if none of those things happened, even if none of those limits happened, even if you kept the job your entire life and kept getting promoted and making better money, even if that characterized your whole life, even if you find the relationship that is stable for your whole life, even if you find uh, the ability somehow to pursue kind of experience after experience for your whole lifetime, uh, the problem is that all of those things only last a lifetime. We're temporary. We die. And when we do, none of those things come with us. And because we know that this life isn't the end, because God has placed eternity in our hearts, there's something that is ultimately unfulfilling when we look at anything that finds purpose or meaning that's associated with the temporary things of this world. But the other side of the problem is this, and that's as, as Christians, we might know that those things aren't the answer, but we might not be able to give you a very good reason as to why. Uh, we might be able to say they're temporary, but I wonder if we can actually most often offer something that is better, that's lasting. Are we equipped to answer the other side of that question? Not just don't find hope in these things, but are we actually equipped to give the answer of, well, this is where then you do find hope. And we know uh, the Sunday school flannel graph answers, where do you find hope? Well, the answer must be Jesus because the answer to every good church question is Jesus. And of course, in some senses, that is true. Where do you find meaning and purpose in life? It is absolutely centered on Christ. But if we can't go any deeper than that, if we can't explain the truth, the theology, the meaning behind that, then it's really shallow. And ultimately, that's not helpful to the people that we want to witness to, that we want to proclaim Christ to, the, the hopeless world that we want to inject real hope in. And sadly, ultimately, it's not that helpful for us. I mean, you meet a number of hopeless, purposeless, really uh, despairing believers who know the right answer, at least on a surface level, that they're supposed to have hope and meaning in, in Christ. But because they've never wrestled with the truths behind that, they never actually are able to get there from point A to point B. Uh, so we have to do better, not different and find a different purpose, but we have to actually know and kind of understand what it means when we talk about Jesus being our purpose, about finding meaning in life through a relationship with God. So what does that mean? Uh, what is the meaning of life? And to answer that, we kind of have to go back to Genesis 1 and look at where life started. We see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God forms all of creation and then God fills all of creation. And at the very pinnacle, kind of the center point of that creation, he makes man and woman. And they're alive like the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the beasts of the land. But they are absolutely distinct. Um, you see mankind alone as being made in the image of God. 
And it's critical to understanding our purpose. Uh, you and I as humans are created in the image of God and we're made to reflect what he is like in some way. Uh, you ask the question, why is it that we're drawn to relationship? Why is it that we look for purpose in relationship? Why are we drawn to beauty? Why are we drawn even to work? And the answer is, as you read through even Genesis, you don't have to go any farther in your Bible than the book of Genesis. And you find that all of those things are things that God divinely gave us to do. Uh, they play into our ability to reflect God's image, to mirror what God is like. You see God existing in perfect relationship, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect unity, but clear distinction. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. And yet they exist in harmony. God demonstrates within himself perfect relationship. And so you and I as people being made in the image of God, we long for relationships. Why is it that we're drawn to something like work? Well, according to Genesis 1 and 2, God creates in six days. And then on the seventh day, God rests from the work that he has done. God is a working God. In Genesis 2, he places Adam in the garden and uh, he tells Adam to tend and keep the garden. God works in his creation and then man is given work to do in that creation. So even work is a way that we can reflect what God is like. Uh, we see God make and create things intricately, beautifully. They are designed, every part, every piece of what he's made. And mankind creates things, not in the same sense that God does, certainly. But we write music. We accomplish artistic endeavors. We were drawn toward beauty because God is a God of beauty and a God of order. And so the, the problem isn't in longing for meaningful relationships. It's not in longing for meaningful work or meaningful rest. It's looking for purpose in those things without God. It's putting the, the uh, situation and the circumstance ahead of the God of those circumstances. And so when we ask the question, where does life find its meaning? Why is there purpose? What is the meaning of life? How do we kind of quantify that? How do we actually briefly but effectively state that? Um, well, it should come to no surprise as anybody that knows me that I'm not creative enough to figure out that answer. And uh, I'm certainly not smart enough to come up with a brief answer to anything. Um, but God in his wisdom has put wise people before us who help us with these things. So uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it's a catechism written in the 1640s. And in our tradition, and maybe the tradition of a lot of people who listen, we don't have much grounding in things like creeds and catechisms. Um, I think some of that is pushback because so often in religion, tradition begins to take on the same status as God's word and creeds and catechisms absolutely don't do that. They're not on par with God's word. Um, but what they are is a helpful link, not only kind of to church history and the history of theology, but the desire to be clear and specific on things that can be difficult to put into words. Uh, the very first question of that Westminster Catechism says, uh, what is the chief end of man? And it's so popular, even if you know nothing else about any catechism, a lot of people can answer that question. What is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the ultimate purpose of mankind? What is the meaning of life? And the great thing about this is it doesn't ask that question just of you or me. It asks, what is the chief end, the chief purpose of all mankind? Is there an answer? The world would tell you that there are probably as many different purposes as there are people. As believers, we can actually speak to a universal purpose behind all mankind. So what is that? Well, the second part of that says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the point of life, to bring glory to God and to enjoy him through all eternity. In other words, you look back as far as you can go. Adam and Eve, 
What was their purpose? That they were created to worship God and to be in relationship with God. Sin broke that relationship, but sin did not destroy that purpose, that chief end, that highest goal and meaning of man's life. And the great thing is the same thing is true for you and me. So when we talk about what is the meaning of life, what's the purpose of life? It's this, it's to honor God, to worship him, to respond to him as he deserves. And that happens, first of all, through repenting of our sins, through responding rightly to the gospel. And I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to that episode on what is the gospel, to go back and listen to that episode. Shameless plug for an earlier episode here. But uh, what is the gospel? And there is no hope of rightly responding to God outside of that gospel. Uh, it's not a matter of works. It's a matter of God transforming us through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, and once that gospel change happens then you and I have this wonderful privilege of finding our purpose in every day and every situation and that purpose being worship. So now we take something and we look at something like work and we don't find purpose in the job, but we're called to work diligently in the job as under the Lord. So worshiping is the purpose and then work just becomes the outlet or the context for that worship. You look at something else and we don't find purpose in relationships but we love others as Christ has loved us. And so our romantic relationships, the way that we love our husbands or our wives, uh, they're ordered by God's design. And we worship as we fill those roles that he's given us. We don't find purpose in having kids or in having high achieving kids or really. And this is a struggle for Christian parents. We don't find purpose in having Christian children, believing children. We raise our kids in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. We discipline them kind of with an eye toward exposing sin and moving them toward heart change. Uh, we encourage them. We support them. We help them to find where they're gifted and to work in that. But all of that is for the purpose of worshiping God and then trusting the results to him. See, if I put that the other way, and if my purpose is in raising good kids, even godly kids, should they reject God? Should they reject the gospel? then my purpose is shaken. My hope is shaken. But if the purpose is worship, then the results belong to God. The daily effort of obedience, the worship of obedience belongs to me, and I can find purpose in every circumstance. And so we find that as we're obedient, as we worship in how we approach everything, then we get the priority right. And when we get the priority right, we can see that those things that are sometimes distractions, work, relationships, whatever you want to put in there, uh, really, we like to call them distractions, but when we call them what they are, when those things are exposed as the idols that we sometimes make them, uh, then we can see where genuine purpose should lie. When worship is the goal, when glorifying God is the purpose, everything else is put back into its proper place. And they have to be. Because when I'm thinking rightly, all of those things, they don't become the purpose in and of themselves, but they all help me accomplish my purpose. Uh, they all become opportunities to live out our greatest purpose. And when those things are challenged, and they will be, when the job is lost, when the relationship gets broken, uh, when we get sick, when our physical health declines, we don't lose that purpose. We read in Romans 8, and it's a very familiar passage, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. But what's the question there is, well, what is the good purpose, right? Romans 8, starting in verse 29 and verse 30 says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. As I was reading that, did you hear the, the purpose in there? He predestined, pre-planned, pre-arranged, God sovereignly ordained that we would be what? That we would be conformed to the image of his son. See, we're created in the image of God. And for the Christian, God's great purpose in our lives is that we end up looking more and more like Jesus Christ. That's the good that he promises that every situation is going to work toward. And so if my purpose then, my purpose is to glorify God in everything, then worship and obedience is how I approach every situation. And on the other side of that equation is a God who is sovereign and who is working out his good purpose in my life. And that is toward making me more and more like Christ. So if I lose the job and I'm actually able to understand meaning and purpose, then I recognize that it isn't a loss because job or not, I'm worshiping and he is working. I'm worshiping and he's working specifically to make me more like Christ. If I lose that relationship, whatever the relationship is, and if I lose that relationship and I genuinely understand meaning and purpose, then it isn't a loss. Whether it's single, married, surrounded by friends or absolutely abandoned, alone, I worship in how I love and serve others. And Christ is working in me to make me more and more like him. God is accomplishing his good purpose in the midst of whatever that situation is. And the second part of that answer in the catechism, the, the purpose of man, the chief end of man being to glorify God. And the second part of that is to enjoy him forever. That's a great promise. Because like I said before, uh, what the world finds purpose in is ultimately really temporary. The best thing you search for, the greatest thing you find, it lasts exactly as long as we do. And your last breath is as far as it can possibly travel with you. And then you stand before God, who's the perfect judge, and eternity stands in the balance. But for the believer, death is not an end to purpose. For the believer, death is the perfection of our purpose, because then all the preparation is done. Uh, Christ has completely atoned for our sin, paid the wages of sin so that we don't have to be held to account for that. Christ has covered us in his righteousness. That process of God making me more and more like the son every day that I'm alive uh, has come to an end. And for the believer, death then is the beginning of the promise that we wait for, and that's to enjoy God forever. So understanding purpose actually allows us to enjoy God, not just for eternity, but it allows us to delight in God now in everything that we face, trials or joys, things that we would call easy or things that we would call difficult, uh, failure, sickness, sadness, everything else. God is working in those things. It brings us joy because we know that he's not absent from those situations. He's not wringing his hands, wondering what to do about those situations, but that even in those situations, he continues to work out his good purpose to make us more like the son. And that's the same thing in our great victories. When we do get the promotion, when we do uh, get married to a wonderful believing spouse, when our children make wonderful, wise decisions, um, when we experience real beauty and real beauty is all over the place, those things then don't become the end where we find our enjoyment, the end where we find our purpose. They just become further avenues and opportunities for us to live out our purpose, which is glorifying God and recognizing him in those things, which allows us to enjoy him now. And of course, we know that we look forward to enjoying him forever. One day when we are in heaven, whether we die and are ushered into his presence or whether he comes to gather his people, uh, at that moment, we're like him fit to be in his presence, enjoying that fellowship and worship with him forever. So the answer, does life have meaning? It absolutely does. Uh, does life have a purpose? It absolutely does. But more importantly, you can know what that is. 
You don't have to spend your whole life frustrated, wondering and wandering and pounding on every door, trying to discover who you are and why you're here. The universal response to that is you, man or woman, rich, poor, whatever culture, you are made in the image of a holy God and you have been called to worship him and to be in relationship with him forever. And in recognizing that great purpose, it changes how I work through every circumstance and situation in my life. Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. That was an excellent answer. And thank you for helping us see that our purpose in life is to find joy in worshiping God forever. Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. We will see you next week. Um, We will be answering the question, if God is real, why won't he reveal himself? It's kind of a nice next step to take. Um, We're super excited. And uh, if you have any questions, please email us groundedwithmattround at gmail.com. And we'll see you then.